say to anybody watching online that could have been here, you should have been here. Staying home tonight from a Bible lesson about stewardship because it doesn't pertain to you is like staying home from church on Sunday because you're already saved. We need biblical knowledge. And I realize this is transitioning. Wednesday night is going from preaching and inspiration to instruction. Thank God for preaching. Thank God for inspiration. But you're going to die without instruction. And what we have done and Wednesday nights, uh, and not all year, but in, in, in series, and, and like we're doing now, we have this one that's called Future Planning. Uh, Pastor Sal is doing a Q&A tonight from his session last week uh, on investing. And um, I can't tell you how many people in their 50s that said, I wish, Pastor, I would have known that just a couple hundred bucks a month would have, if I'd have started in my 20s, would have produced hundreds of thousand dollars in my retirement. And so what are we doing? What am I doing as your pastor? I'm trying to teach us to do what I taught. This is to think in the future. We can't just think about now what I want now. How many know that's, that's true? we got to look into the future and say, I've got to take care of my future. And sometimes we love inspiration, but instruction takes care of our future. I want everybody to say, do hard things. We've got Pastor Sal there. In just a moment, Mrs. McDonald is getting ready to come up and talk to us about uh, um, last will and testament and, and power of attorney and things about with your kids. And, and it's going to be very, very instructional tonight. Very, how many know knowledge is power? And next week, we're going to have Q&A here with her. That she, you're going to be able to ask questions, send your questions ahead uh, to the office. We would like to have them by next Tuesday. So she has some knows what she's going to be dealing with before she gets up here. Following that, we have Tim Thompson from uh, Thompson Funeral Home in White Cottage that's going to talk about what to expect and how to plan for a funeral. Why do we, why do, we do this? It's not because we're being morbid. No one really wants to talk about death. But when your pastor preaches about 30 funerals of members of the church and hardly anybody that I've ever preached a funeral for did the family have any preparation of very rare occasion that somebody had actually talked about talked about um, where I wanted to be buried, if I want to be cremated, uh, who's going to preach the funeral, what songs they wanted, uh, if any money was coming, how to keep what already belongs to them instead of going to probate court because a will wasn't made. And uh, hardly anybody ever prepares for that. You know, everybody says, I, I never thought it would what? Never thought it would happen to me. And uh, just a lady that I knew passed away unexpectedly uh, last week, 53 years old, had a kidney stone, went septic, died just a couple days later. Who would have ever, ever thought that? And I'm not trying to be, uh, 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 again, uh, maybe as they say Debbie Downer, but what I'm trying to say, we got to take care of business. How many know this? How many know if the Lord tarries, all of us are going to die? And the Bible says to prepare before winter. Everybody say prepare before winter. Paul told Timothy in his last writings before he died. He said, Timothy, I want you to come before winter and I want you to bring me the parchments. And he said, I want you to bring me my cloak. The cloak was what he used to cover him in the storms. The parchments was what he had written out. It's possible today that we have written scripture that we have today because he told Timothy, go get the parchments that I've written. It's things that are passed down. And guess what? Timothy knew where they were. And how many times have I preached a funeral that uh, no one knew where the, if there was life insurance. No one knew where the papers were. No one knew where the will was, even if it was done. And so our last session will be called Legacy Drawer. And that will be talking about where to put these things in safekeeping if something was um, written out in a wheel and, and, and you had all that taken care of where everybody needs to know where that is. How many want to be ready? How many want to be ready? And when you're dealing with funerals, what you'll find with is they're grieving over the loss of the person they love and then they got to deal with all of this business that could have already been taken care of for very minimal. How many know it's true? And so I stand here today to those watching online and those that are in this room, 
doing everything I can as your pastor to equip you to be the most confident Christians that you can be in every situation. And how many want to have a plan for your future? Amen. I think we ought to stand. We are a church of restoration. We really are. We're a church that has so many ministries that happen on Wednesday nights uh, that are just very practical. Financial Peace University, Grief Share, other classes that we have, have taught. And uh, we believe that God can restore broken people. But we believe that when God restores broken people, they can become people that are made whole. Leaders, teachers. I want you to look at your neighbors and say, God has called you to be a disciple of Him. You know what that means? Walking confidently. Walking in faith. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but my brother used to sing a song. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. How many is glad you got a God that's in control? Would you clap your hands and thank God? Amen. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for our speaker tonight that God would use her as she speaks to us with instruction and practicality of just taking care of business. Would you just lift your hands and pray for Susan McDonald tonight that God's hand would be on her as she ministers to us with instruction. God, we thank you for stewardship and the laws of the land. For us to understand that, Proverbs tells us that knowledge, to seek knowledge, and that's what we're doing today. Applicable knowledge to put in our lives, to bring confidence to our spouses and, and confidence to our children and even our grandkids. We want to be prepared. We want to be wise. We don't want to be unwise in this world. God, we want to be prepared for anything that might come financially, emotionally, and spiritually. We're praying today that God and physically that your hand would be upon our speaker. We thank you, God, that she's here. We pray a blessing over her tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Mrs. McDonald, we'd love for you to come. She's a lawyer in town, known her for about 15 years, Cindy and I have. Has a lovely family. We go every year out to McDonald's farms and go through the corn maze. And how many of you have ever been out there and enjoyed that? Great time. Our youth goes every year. Would you give her a hand today as she comes to help us? Thank you. Welcome. Good evening. Susan McDonald, who has heard the old adage, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will... There are 500 relatives. <laughs> Good evening. You're welcome to sit down. Um, we do have McDonald's Greenhouse and Corn Maze. It ends at the end of the month. We are tired. My house is a mess. I made like one home-cooked meal this whole month, and I was proud of myself. So um, I'm glad to be here. And my husband texted me and said, you're doing seventh grade science when you get home. We enjoyed having the youth at the corn maze this fall. We've had some beautiful weekends. And right when you walk in the barn, our motto is faith first, family, and then farm. That's my home farm where I grew up. My mom is 88. She still lives independently. We help her with her lawn care and carrying in her groceries and doing her little dinky pile of laundry when I do these big piles of laundry every other day. So um, my dad's gone. He passed away five years ago. And my mom, who is a college-educated woman, she taught first grade for years and years and years, and then she was a county commissioner. She has said to me a hundred times, I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you live in my backyard. I'm so glad that you're educated, that I can help you, because, or that you can help me, because when dad passed away, he was 83. He was aged. He had failed. Like, we knew it was coming. She was a mess. She was a mess. And I'm like, Mom, you ran the county. You did budgets. You did all this stuff. And she was grieving the loss of her spouse of 63 years. So it's different. It's very different. And I took a year and a half to do my own dad's estate. Not because it was hard. It just sat on the corner of my desk for a year and a half, and I would work on it, then I would cry, then I would put it aside, and then I would work on it again. So be prepared. I'm really, really proud, Pastor Bounds, that you're doing future planning because knowledge is power. A lot of times, 
usually women come in and they're saying, my marriage is failing, I'm in distress, I've learned about um, some infidelities, I learned about financial problems that we're having in our marriage, and they don't even really want to get divorced or a disillusion, they want knowledge. So they come in grieving, crying, upset, and you educate them. Well, here's the filing fee, here's the affidavit, here's the information that you need, here are some options, you could do shared parenting, you could do blah, 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 blah. And you know what, at the end, thank you so much, I feel like the weight is lifted off of my chest. So knowledge is power. So we have two boys, James and I grew up four houses apart, 50, um, 47 fence posts apart, and um, now we live in the middle. So we can see my mom's house from our back door, we can see my mother-in-law's house from our front window, and I swear, my mother-in-law had these binoculars in her front kitchen window for years, wondering what we were doing over there. Um, so we have two boys, Jack is 13 and Eli is 12, and they work really, really hard and they work at the maze, and they both want to be farmers, and they both want to live off the land, and we have a little rental house across the road from us, and my son Jack said, Mama, I want to live in that farmhouse. And he, I said, that would be great, Jack. And he said, would you watch my babies? And I said, oh, yes, but I'm going to pick out your wife. <laughs> so, so far, that's the plan. Um, James and I grew up in the 4-H program. We grew up going to the same school, Tri-Valley High School. He drove me to school every day. And at 28 years old, we finally kissed. We were late bloomers. Um, we are wrapping up another season. We were glad to see your youth group at the farm, and I was jealous because you have a big youth group. We go to this little dinky country Baptist church out by the wilds, and if you're under 50, you're in the youth group. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So um, I'm really jealous. Our boys go to youth group at Westwood Baptist Church, which is right near our exit, and they have a nice size and it's a lot of neighbor kids and a lot of people that I enjoy and trust and they went to camp church camp this is their third year and the first year they gave their hearts to Jesus and I wasn't there and I didn't push them and we talked about it and the youth pastor texted me and said Tuesday night Eli went forward Wednesday night Jack went forward so you got some baptisms to do when you get home so they are baptized and I'm going to see them in heaven for the rest of our lives together I sent to Pam a lot of documents that are likely going to be on the website, or maybe they are already. The Ohio State Bar Association has a series, and they are called Law Facts. So if you go to the Ohio State Bar Association website, there's a section for attorneys, and there's a section for different folks, and then there's a section for normal laypersons, and you can type in anything. So it'll talk to you about landlord-tenant matters, um, estate planning, contracts, credit, employment, jury duty, anything like that so that you can learn a lot of things. So I pulled off the ones that we're dealing with our topics tonight and hopefully they'll be on your website. I have done a um, talk at Maysville High School to the seniors in their government class called Once You're Over 18. It's called adulting. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's hard, isn't it? Adulting is very, very hard. So we talk about your first apartment. We talk about signing a lease, a purchase contract, talking about credit, talking about driving is a privilege, not a right. OVI, any 18-year-old get pulled over for underage consumption and OVI, what do you do? Your first job, jury duty, marriage, family, custody, paternity, child support, that kind of, those things kind of happen when you become an adult. What to do with medical issues and voting and even um, select service. So those are things that you might want to consider for a topic for your young people as they become adults. When you, though, talking about future planning and my topic tonight is estate planning, there are four documents that every adult should have. What's the first one? 
a will. So a will is called a last will and testament, and it is what happens to your stuff after you decease. So nothing matters while you're living in that document. So you pay your debts and funeral expenses first. You usually, a simple will is just, I leave everything then I have to my surviving spouse. If he or she does not survive me, it goes to my children, A, B, and C. And then there's a Latin phrase called persterpes, and persterpes means down the line. So if you have three children, and you might have grandchildren, but one of those three children deceases before you, then their third goes on down to their children, if they have any. So that purse derpies language is pretty important because you don't want one of your children to decease and then their grand, the grandchildren get cut out. Then you select an executor. An executor is who's going to do your stuff, all your dirty work. Who's going to close your bank accounts? Who's going to clean out your house? Who's going to send your personal property to an auction? Who's going to sell your car? Who's going to cash out your life insurance policy? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. So it is a burden, but it is a responsibility, but it is an honor to serve your parents or your grandparents or your best friend or your relative as an executor of your estate. The executor can take a fee or not take a fee. The fee is optional, and that fee percentage is a percentage of the estate, and that's set out by the probate court. A lot of family members don't do it, and then some family members say, gosh, I'm the only one local, I took care of mom and dad, I ran him to the doctor, blah, 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 my siblings were out of town, um, so I am going to take that fee, and it's been a lot of responsibility. So the executor, you want to pick someone that's fully trustworthy. Some people have members of your family that are fully trustworthy, and some people don't. It's kind of sad. I'm the executor for some of my clients, and I'm like, really? I've only met you for an hour and a half of your entire life, and I'm your closest confidant, like that's, it's an odd feeling. Um, but sometimes you're widowed, sometimes you don't have children, sometimes your children are estranged, sometimes you move here from another community and you've kind of just lost touch with your family and friends. So that's, that's okay, that's normal, that's one of our services that we offer. But it doesn't have to be your oldest child, it doesn't have to be the oldest son, it doesn't have to be one of your kids, it can be someone at church, someone that you trust, your best friend, um, your neighbor, and you have to feel comfortable, and you're going to know if you feel comfortable with that person or not. Then you also are going to name a successor executor if that executor doesn't wish to or cannot serve or maybe even deceased before you. And then you're going to name your beneficiaries. So your beneficiary would <clears throat> likely be your spouse and then your children. But sometimes there's a child that's kind of a black sheep or estranged or hasn't really followed God's path for um, their life and how you think they should run it. So you can uninherit or disinherit a child. You need to mention them and just say, I leave my beloved son X um, nothing or a dollar or some nominal amount. And you can even say why or you don't have to say why. And then you can move on to specific bequest. So specific bequest would say, I leave my tools and guns to my son. I leave my wedding set to my daughter. I leave my cedar chest to my granddaughter. Specific things that you want. Um, some people want to leave money to their church. Some people want to leave money to their animal shelter, their alma mater, something that is near and dear to their heart. But they don't know how much money they're going to end up with. They're not going to, they don't know if they're going to be in a nursing home or something for the end of life. So I recommend leaving it in percentages. So I leave 10% to my church, 10% to the animal shelter, and then the remainder divided among my four children. So that's an idea because then if you end up with nothing or you know very little, you don't want to give it all to the animal shelter and then your children don't get anything. Another thing to consider would be <clears throat> why not give your personal property to your children or grandchildren while you're alive. I had an older gentleman that had seven grandchildren and seven restored antique tractors. He gave one antique tractor to each grandchild and he shared the joy and saw the gratification and the appreciation from those grandchildren and 
they thanked him for that, and he knew that those tractors got distributed how he wished, and those were very, very important to him. And he was an old man, kind of feeble, and he just wasn't going to be using the tractors anymore. Um, those are some ideas. A lot of people take masking tape and put on the back of dishes or the back of a piece of furniture or underneath a photo or something that um, says who they want those items to go to. There's another strange word that we use as attorneys, and it's called a codicil. A codicil is an amendment to your will. So um, you can state your will, and then if you have an amendment or a change or something more specific, you can handwrite it or type it out. And literally, some people will say, I want the, this Fenton glass or this Lungerberger basket or these used hand towels. I mean, it'll be every level of specific that you wish, and you can say who you want these items to go to. And unfortunately, the, or fortunately, the younger generation doesn't like stuff. Things at auctions aren't going very well. Longerberger baskets you can barely give away. People go um, in Adamsville where we live, there's Rogers Auction Barn, and our 4-H club will do the food stand. This stuff, I mean, you'll see these nice dishes will go for a dollar because the younger generation doesn't want stuff. So my mom and dad bought their house in 1956, and my mom has never moved. That house is full, and there's not really anything in there that I, I want other than my childhood memories and my wonderful life experiences. I don't want stuff. I don't want her doilies. I don't want her tablecloths. I don't want her silver, and we've had some disagreements about that. But um, when you look at my mom and dad's house, they have two balconies on either side of their home, and my husband will jokingly, but not really jokingly, say, Dorothy, I'm going to put a dumpster on this end and a dumpster on this end, and I'm going to fill it full. But the funny thing is, one whole dumpster is going to be Cool Whip containers and cottage cheese containers. Anybody can relate? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I was a child of the Depression. Yes, I know you were. I've heard that story. So I'm not going to feel bad throwing those items away, and then I'll worry about the rest. The second document that every adult should have is a financial power of attorney. You've also heard it called a durable power of attorney. And you think finances, well, my husband's on my bank account with me jointly. Okay, that's fine. You probably don't need a financial power of attorney for that particular account. But what happens when there is a medical bill dispute? What happens when there is car insurance that's due? What happens when there's a cable television bill that needs shut off? What happens when there are other financial decisions that need made that aren't joint accounts. So then you'll call the hospital billing department and you'll say, well, my mom had this procedure and got this bill and I disagree. Well, are you her power of attorney? No. I'm sorry, we can't talk to you. So those, um, the, a financial power of attorney, again, is somebody that you fully trust, like your executor, and that is only good during your life. So once you decease, that ends and the will kicks in. So a lot of times the financial power of attorney and the executor are the same person. It's called being an agent. So I'm my mom's power of attorney now that my dad is deceased. I keep her original power of attorney and healthcare directives in my van in the little pocket, in the magazine pocket in the back seat because you go to the BMV, she wrecked her car and needed new plates. I couldn't get her new plates because I didn't have her power of attorney. So I took a copy of the power of attorney. Well, BMV requires the original power of attorney. So it's so frustrating. Um, you're racing around in your lunch hour trying to get these little errands finished. So I just keep them in my car. I don't know. I don't know if that's good advice or not, but that's what I do. Same with... Um, her health care power of attorney and her living will. So I just always have it. So my husband and I created these documents for ourselves as well when we were married 17 years ago, 
and we have them in a drawer in our house. I'm not sure he would know where they are, but I know where they are, and we've never really touched them because we have joint bank accounts, and um, I can sign his name better than he can, and I think if he did endorse the back of a check at the bank, they might question it. <laughs> you want to have um, a beneficiary listed on all things that you have if you have someone that you trust in your life. So we have joint bank accounts. We have, um, we didn't always do this and we have started doing this. As we're buying vehicles, buy them jointly, husband and wife with right of survivor. Or when your spouse is deceased or if you are single, buy them jointly with your child, right of survivor. So when you decease, the right of survivor kicks in and the surviving party gets that vehicle. So I now own a 1998 International Grain Truck, jointly with my husband. Um, when you have your life insurance, so anything that has a beneficiary doesn't go through probate. So your life insurance should have a beneficiary. It should also have a secondary beneficiary. So usually your primary beneficiary is your spouse or your children, and then your secondary beneficiary would be your children or your grandchildren. So that stuff never goes through probate. If you have joint bank accounts, it never goes through probate. If you have um, your TOD, transfer on death, or joint ownership with a vehicle, that never goes through probate. So guess what? That's easy. Um, there are th three levels of probate. and it depends on the value of the assets in the probate estate. So I don't wanna, this is hard to explain. I call it really expensive, medium, and completely easy. So the really expensive one is called full administration and it is a pain in the neck. So if your assets in probate are over $100,000, you will have a full administration and that's when the executor and the attorneys make a bunch of money. Our goal as estate planners is to not have you have anything go through probate. The medium level is called a release from administration and the bottom easy peasy level is called a summary release from administration. So if you have $35,000 or less, that is called a release. If you have $5,000 or less going through your probate estate, that's called a summary release and that is very, very easy. The third and fourth documents that you need to have as an adult would be a health care power of attorney and a living will. Those two documents together are called health care directives. So they direct your health care when you are not able to direct it yourself. So just like the durable power of attorney for finances, a health care power of attorney does the same thing for your health care decisions. So if you are in a car wreck, if you are having a stroke, if you are aged, if you're in surgery and you cannot make your healthcare decisions for yourself, who do they turn to? So usually they'll speak to your spouse, but what if you have a couple children? What if those children don't get along? What if one's out of town? What if one's in town? All that flurry goes around in questions. So there is a healthcare power of attorney that you would name your first agent and your second agent. And then your living will is your last illness that you would pull the plug. So one thing that you need to do with your future planning is talk about it with your kids. Thanksgiving and Christmas are coming up. Hopefully you'll be gathering with your families and that'll be a great Thanksgiving dinner time conversation. Hey y'all, I want to not be a vegetable and I want to pull the plug or I want to be an organ donor or I want to donate my body as a cadaver to science. I had a client today and it was, um, there were three siblings and their dad had passed away in Texas and he was homeless. And I'm like, wow. And I said, when did your dad die? Oh, last Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. They're like, eh, he was homeless and he was on drugs and he was estranged from our family for a long, long, long time. He actually, stole money from our family and stole money from our grandparents. And it was a pretty sad story. And I said, that is interesting. 
was he cremated? And they said, no, he donated his body to science. And I'm like, that is fabulous. It's like the best thing he did his whole life is as an addict, think how interesting it would be to study his body and his organs and his liver and his brain and how much he had fried as um, his lifestyle choice had come over. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. And um, then after all of that, he would be cremated. So those are things to talk about to let your children know. When I started practicing law 17 years ago, nobody got cremated. If they said they were getting cremated, it was like this awkward silence. And now the exception has swallowed the rule. Most, many, I don't, I don't know if I say most, I mean it is about 50-50 where people are being cremated. And it's just an economic decision, but... That is something that is very personal, and that is something that either both spouses want to be or both spouses do not want to be, and that is something you need to tell your children. Like, if you do want to be cremated, I want to be cremated. It's okay to cremate me because it is kind of a odd feeling if you think about it, um, burning after you're deceased. But a lot of um, folks are leaning that way, and that is your personal choice, and that's up to you. But that is something that you have to make comfortable with your family. One thing that um, I see is folks my age come in to do their parents' estate, and they have children that are teenagers and even young adults, and they haven't done their own estate planning. And then all of a sudden, they are the oldest generation. And they look in the mirror, hmm, we're next. So that is interesting to me that they wait till their 40s and 50s to do their estate planning. So when you have children, when you have minor children, you need to determine what would happen if both parents deceased. With our society, with so many divorces, it is very common to have split families. So the likelihood of both parents dying in a car wreck together may be less. But if you are the residential parent or the other parent is absent and you decease, what's going to happen to your children? So you need to name in your will who would be the guardian of your children and then who would be the trustee for their assets. So you're like young and broke and trying to rear children. You're not wealthy, but you may have life insurance policies. They may get, you know, they will get social security benefits from you. Somebody has to be in control of that. So if you are divorced or in a broken relationship, your surviving, the surviving parent of that child would get first dibs on rearing the child. But do you want them to be in control of the child's money? Maybe not if that's your ex-spouse. So a lot of times um, when I do a divorce after I finish, I will update that person's estate planning documents they will name who would be the guardian over their children and who would be the trustee. And a lot of times it's the same person. A lot of times it's my parents, they're young, they're healthy, they're fit, they're fine. But hey, my mom's 88, what would she do with a couple teenagers? She probably shouldn't be their guardian. So you could name your sibling, you could name your best friend, you could name another young couple at the church that is like-minded. Another thought is keeping those children in the same community of support, like where they go to school, where they go to the doctor, who their best friends are. Because if you decease and your kids get yanked out of state to where your brother and sister live, man, that's traumatic, isn't it? So those are all things that you need to decide. And then another thing that I hear couples say is, gosh, we don't want to offend anybody in our family because it would be a granny grab, you know, these Grandparents would want the children, and these grandparents would want the children. You don't have to tell anybody. You make your will. You fold it up. You leave it at the attorney's office, and hope to God you don't die before your last child is an adult. And the likelihood of that happening, thankfully, is rare. So those are things to discuss. Um, a lot of times people want to talk to folks that would be named guardian or trustee of their children, like, hey, just warning you, if we croak, here you go. So, I don't know. Those are all decisions that you need to make. So, um, 
The other thing that I do in my practice, in probate court, they do name changes, they do marriage license, they do guardianships, and they do adoptions. We have, as you know, an epidemic of drugs in our community. Do you know how many foster children there are in Muskingum County? Do you know how they cannot find homes for these children? In Morgan County, where I practice a lot, there is one foster home. Where do those kids go? Well, they go to Lancaster, they go to Marietta, they come to Zanesville, they go to Licking Valley. I travel all over the region visiting these children that are pulled out of foster care. And where I'm going with that is the county will finally get permanent custody because if it is in this drug world that we're in right now, these kids aren't getting returned home. If you get a foster child, the foster parents are telling me, if we get a foster child, we plan to keep that child because it's likely that we will we keep the child. So then the children's services, has they get permanent custody, and then they can put the child up for adoption. I have done 47 children's services adoptions this year in Muskingum County. Isn't that shocking? Shocking. And I'm not the only one that doing them. I probably do the majority, but the court, I mean, they'll stack me up and I'll do five a day. Every Monday at 1.30, I do adoptions. Isn't that shocking? There is a huge need. These children are not being returned home, and they need stability and permanency. Amen? Amen. So that is your taxpayer dollars at work that are paying for these adoptions and these children to have permanency. There is one woman in Dresden, God love her, she is single, she's in her late 50s, she adopted five biological siblings on one day, and six months later she adopted the next one. And I said, wow, God bless you, this is, these children are beautiful. And she goes, oh honey, I've adopted 23. She is a single woman, and she is so confident and calm I'm like, I'm shocked. Like, I want to be her friend because I, I admire her so much. Like, I, and of course, you know, some of the older, a lot of them are older, and her own biological children are older, and now her adult daughters are adopting children. Isn't that the coolest story? I have this picture on my phone of these five beautiful little children that are all going to stay together because of her. So I want you to have peace, I want you to have knowledge, I want you to have power, I want you to have certainty, I want you to be comfortable talking to your family about it. I feel and I see that the older generation was more close-lipped about it than the younger generation. I do not want my kids to enter adulthood ignorant. My son is in financial literacy right now at Tri-Valley School. I make, I was telling my friend over here, um, when I write out my monthly tithing check, I make my 12-year-old write the check, and his penmanship is horrible, and I'm like, the bank has to be able to read this, buddy, and um, he ha I want him to learn to write a check, because nobody writes checks anymore, and nobody keeps a ledger, so I heard pastor mention Dave Ramsey, please, please, please go to a Financial Peace University class. If you cannot afford it, buy it for each other for your anniversary, ask for it for Christmas, drag your teenage kids along with you. My husband and I attended it several years ago, and it was life-changing. It changed our marriage. Our children hate Dave Ramsey. Do you know what our going-out-to-eat budget is for the month? $50 for four people. So we can go out one time, or we can go out three times, depending on what we order. We always get water, we never get an appetizer, we never get dessert, we love the Little Caesars hot and ready, $5. That's it. And at first they hated it. And now they'll correct me and be like, oh, are we in our grocery budget this month? Or what would Dave Ramsey say about you going to Target? <laughs> <sighs> so it is life-changing. Life so please, 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 
take the effort to do that. And when I see um, mostly young couples with children come in for divorce, the number one reason for divorce is not adultery and infidelity. It is finances. Get your act together, guys. You're not on the same page. You're spending above your means. You're keeping up with the Joneses. But you know what? The Joneses are broke. You don't know that. I'm telling you that. Now you know. See, don't you feel better now? So live within your means. You don't get the two cars and the two-car garage and the second mortgage and the boat and the motorcycle and when you're young and broke and married and raising children. So that is a hard thing to swallow. And I have several of Dave Ramsey and Rachel Cruz book in my, books in my office. And I have my little blue envelope budget that I keep in my purse. And when these young couples come in, now that I'm middle-aged, I can say this, like I feel like their mother. These young kids are, you know, 22 and in a divorce already. And I'm like, okay, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm giving you some motherly advice. Listen to this podcast. Go to this class. Here's my little envelope. Here's my grocery budget. Here's my going out to eat budget. Here's our tithing budget. Here's our clothing budget. Get it together. That is the number one advice I want to share with my children as they become teenagers and they're now starting to earn their own spending money and wanting to give it, save it, and spend it. So in closing, I don't know how long I'm supposed to talk. I didn't really ask. Um, a lot of questions, an off, a regular question that we get asked is, can't I make my own will? Can't I download on LegalZoom and make my own power of attorney? Yes, you can. I can change my brake pads too. But you know what? You don't know if you did it right until it's too late. There are many wills that we see that aren't completed properly and some that are completely fine. You need to have a legal professional explain it to you and understand it for you and help explain it to you. And then, in closing, I want to say, with Thanksgiving around the corner, a turkey walked into his lawyer's office and he said, I thought this would be a good time to review my estate planning. <laughs> so don't be a turkey. Thank you very much. Been any better. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let me help you now. Don't we appreciate that today? Let's give her another hand of appreciation. Be seated just for a moment. Um, if inspiration without instruction causes lack of execution. Inspiration without instruction causes lack of execution. And um, we're doing everything we can to empower this congregation to be the best in every area of your life. And uh, thank God for inspiration. Amen. God inspires us, but sometimes lack of instruction. But it keeps us during the times when we have instruction like we've had tonight. Don't we appreciate what she's done? It really does. And... Um, Can I preach a four-minute sermon here for a minute? I'm, I'm itching to preach a little bit. I really am. I, I, I feel like people would say, because we, we have a lot of preaching on Wednesdays, and we've done a lot of teaching, but what you got to understand is, how does this apply? And people might say, well, I don't know how this applies to me. It applies to all of us, young or older. It really does. And it's, is it biblical? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to church on Wednesday because we've got a lawyer that's going to take care of last will on the state and, and, and talk about probate court and, and talk about power of attorney. And I don't see where that's in the Bible. Hebrews 9 says it this way. It says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. You have in your Bible, 
really a division of two parts of the Bible. You have the Old Testament and you've got the New Testament. The Old Testament was enforced by the blood of the Lamb. In the New Testament, it was forced by the blood of the testator or the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has a testament. All of these blessings, all of these riches, what we would call the grace of God, empowerment over sin, empowerment over addiction. In my Bible study just before service with Brother Brent and Sister Crystal, I was talking about the grace of God. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Grace isn't God looking over your sin and over your over your wickedness and over your faults. That's not grace. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is a gift of God. For the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, but it's a gift of God. It is the empowerment that we get because of the death of the testator. When Jesus died on the cross, they buried him in a tomb, and three days later, he did what no man can do. He got up, and we, we celebrate his resurrection, the power of God. Romans says if we have been buried together in the likeness of his death, talking about repentance and baptism, we shall also arise to walk in newness of life. The power of the cross is that Jesus had a will for us. The Bible says we have been adopted into him, and we can call unto him and say, Abba, Father. That means I can get up on his lap and call him Daddy. How many know he's a personal God? He's pulled us out of the world from a world of sinful nature, a world of ungodliness, a world of fatherlessness, and he's brought us into his kingdom. When he brought us into his kingdom, that same verse says, he's made us heirs to the throne of grace. You know what that means? When he died on the cross, the testament was released in force at his death that gave me and you individual access to the riches of his grace. When a person comes in bound by alcohol, bound by sin, Brother Nehemiah, they come in like you. They'll dealt drugs on the streets, spent time in prison, you were lost, you were on your way to, to eternity without knowing God. But somewhere, the grace of God reached out and said, you don't belong there, I've got something better for you. He's no longer a drug dealer. He's no longer using crack cocaine. You know why? Because we have access to his will. And when he died on the cross, it opened up the power of God unto me and the power of God unto you. And what I'm saying to you here tonight is that everybody in Zanesville, the prostitute, the homosexual, the sinner, people that have fallen into infidelity and adultery, just a good old common housewife or a good hardworking man trying to do things on his own. You know what he needs? He doesn't need a good sermon. He needs the grace of God. And when God touches him, God can give him power over his faults, power over his sin. How many believe that tonight? Would you stand and clap your hands and thank God for the death of our testator? Amen. Amen, amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. If he hadn't died, none of us would be here. If he hadn't died, none of us would have empowerment. I look over here. Brother Buster, wave your hands. No longer an alcoholic, but God set him free. Just one Sunday night. He's never touched it since. Over a year ago. What was the date, Brother, Brother Gladman? August the 5th, a Sunday night. I watched personally the spirit of God come over him tears begin to run down his face in his garage fell to his knees in repentance he hasn't touched alcohol since why because because of the death of the testator you got access to something that nobody else can get but sons how many know when we were born again we were born again sons of God and we can say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name how many love him would you clap your hands well, I feel like an evangelist tonight preaching to you. You don't have to leave here the same way you've come. You can leave in the grace of God. Before you file for divorce, you need to access his grace. Amen. Before you give up, we fasted for two days for Sister Megan. We know that the type of cancer she has, they say it's very aggressive. 
She's very weak. They say it's stage four. But we felt to go on a fast and pray. We know that when the doctor says we've done all we can do, we know that there is access to the wheel of the grace of God. Can you say amen? I watched a man with a withered hand, healed right there, standing there, came in crippled. And when we said the name of Jesus, that crippled hand just went like that. He left the building carrying his Bible as God healed him. I watched a lady stand right there that had one leg shorter than the other, crippled for nearly 60 years of her life. And she was healed right there. She said, God has healed me. Right where you're sitting, uh, uh, Susan, right there, Mrs. McDonald, there was a lady, Anna Leitner, that sat right there. She came because God spoke to me and said, tell everybody that has, needs a healing to come to the church. I'm gonna heal them on a Sunday night. I spoke that on a Sunday. and It was the following Sunday. I preached 15 minute sermon on the lepers that needed a delivering cause leprosy was something that could not be treated or cured. I preached about that and at the end of it, Jesus just said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And when they did, how many know they were healed? One of the 10 returned and thanked him and was made whole. I said, there's too many. This entire building was filled with people that were sick and impotent. They were sick, and I watched as gave the word of faith. I said, just step out of your seat. God's going to heal you. Just spoke a word of faith. How many believe miracles can happen that easy? It really can. I'm a little stirred tonight because I believe that what she taught us is very, very biblical for our children and those beyond us. And Sister Teresa you're, you're a cancer survivor that God has touched. Aren't you not? Aren't you thankful? Amen. God touched her granddaughter the other day, thrown completely out of a car. Macy in a car wreck, but God, she knows that God spared that. Is he 13, 14 years old? God, come on, thank God for it right now. I'm talking about the grace of God. Hallelujah. Sister Duvall, you were here that night when Anna Leitner stepped out of that seat. She had a beanie hat on, six months to live. Six months to live, the doctor said, you need to go ahead and set your house in order, give away whatever you're going to give away. Talking about the end of life, as she's talking about tonight. Just give it away. She'd give her special dishes away. She's given certain things, like you saying, your mom's going to give away dish towels and things. You know, I, I don't know who all wants dish towels or dishes. I'm not sure, but she was giving away. And she came that night, invited by Brother Jay Southall. When she stepped out of that seat, she told me later, Later, dying of lung cancer. She told me later. She said, Pastor, I went to the doctor this week. That was the week following. She said, well, I went to the doctor. He put a scope down in my lungs and said, Anna, what's happened to you? And she said, what do you mean? He said, there's no cancer in your lungs. That's about 13 years ago. She's got long, beautiful blonde hair now. She said, when I stepped out of my seat, she said, I felt like a warmness of fire that began to burn through my body. God removed every cancer cell. Why? Because when Jesus died on that cross, those stripes that were on his back prior to death, they were for healing. Somebody shout, by his stripes, we are healed. I'd hope if I had cancer in my body, there was a praying church that could access the throne of God for everything he died on the cross for. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them, Jesus did not go to that cross in vain. Those nail-scarred hands, the nail-scarred feet, that was not in vain. 39 stripes on his back, some of some physician, medical experts said there's 39 categories of fatal diseases. I'm not sure. Never been a medical student. But if that's true, what he was saying is, what I'm doing at the cross is to give you grace over what a doctor cannot do, what money cannot buy. I'm talking about something that is the riches of his grace. How many know he's able to heal diabetes and degenerative disc and liver disease? I'm almost done. I said four minutes. I said four minutes. I've went ten. Will you give me a few more seconds here? I moved in my soul. I'll never forget when Ron Apperson's son, Kevin Apperson, he told me, will you go pray for my son? He's in his 50s. He's got a bad liver disease. And I went to the nursing home to pray for a man that was, I think he was 51. I walked in there and looked at Kevin. And I said, Kevin, I went in and talked with him. I said, what's going on? He's got jaundice in his eyes. His skin is yellow. His liver's felony. And I went in and he said, they, they told me I've got six months to live, Pastor. He'd come to one of our Easter services, Seacrest Auditorium. I've got six months to live. I said, what do you want? What, I'm going to pray, but what do you want God to do? He said, I want to live long enough to see my first grandbaby live. Do in six months. Do in six months. Just six months. He said, I want to hold that first grandbaby then. What after that? And I said, I said, Kevin, 
Is your heart right with God? No, my heart's not right with God. I said, let's take care of that first. Let's get our heart right with God. Because there is a throne of grace that's going to get us from this earth to that mansion. Streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. How many know you can't leave this place without the grace of God? How many believe in heaven and eternity? No more pain and no more suffering. I feel like preaching right now. I told him in a Bible study, we got to make sure that our kids are right with God. How many believe that? I looked at Kevin. He started praying. He started repenting. He had his head back like this. Out of his jaundiced eyes, tears began to flow backwards across his ears. He began to repent. I looked at him. I said, Kevin, the Bible says to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I told Kevin that. I said, you need to be baptized, Kevin. Family made arrangements. Came and baptized when our baptismal was behind that screen. Came and baptized him. When he got out of that water, yellow eyes, yellow skin, liver failure, was sentenced to die. He went back there. They were taking about six liters of fluid off of him. Every single time they'd come in and take the fluid, his stomach would swell with the fluid. And they'd come in there, and it was a, it was a bad situation. And he got baptized. When they came, the next time they take fluid, it was half so much. The next time they came to take fluid, it was half of that amount. The next time they came to take fluid, it was half of the last amount. Until six months, he should have been dead. They sent him home. They said, we can't explain it, but your liver function is perfect. That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm stirred in my soul tonight because we're talking about the last will. We're talking about the testament. We're talking about the New Testament. It's very biblical. And you know what? They came. He went home. He didn't only get to hold the grandbaby. He's still alive. That's been about four years ago. He didn't have any liver problems. That's the truth. The doctor, the doctor, Brother Nehemiah, you know, Kevin, the doctor went to him and said, we got to bring you in as a case study. We've never seen this before. We've never seen a liver get better. We got to bring you in and find out what happened. They reviewed and looked at his cancer. They said, they said, not only is there nothing wrong with your, your liver, there's no scars of the cirrhosis that was there. We, we can't explain it. And this is what he said. He said, Kevin, you're the only third miracle I've ever seen. I don't remember one of them, but one of them, he said there was a tennis-sized tumor in the side of his lady's head one time. He said it was cancerous. We had to remove it. We went to remove it. It had disappeared somehow. No way to explain where the tumor went to except it was a miracle. He said, you are a miracle. I'm going to tell you why he's a miracle. He's a miracle because of the throne of grace that does for us what no man can do for us. <laughs> Come on. When people come to this church and they come from brokenness and broken homes and abuse, they need to find the grace of God in this building. How many believe the grace of God is here to bring people off of the streets into the kingdom of God? I want you to lift your hands and pray for your family right now. God, our city needs it. Our family needs it. They need a moving of your spirit. They need to feel your grace and your love to know that you're not against them, but God, you are for them. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Somebody shout power. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's John 1, 11 through 13. He gives us power to become sons. And because he died, I have access to his testament. I, how many believe you got access to his will? What do you have need of today? I know we had a very practical, instructional, but I, I just know enough about being your pastor and the under-shepherd of this church that there's some people here right now that said, I've got a need tonight. How many have a need tonight? You need God to do. I feel like somebody needs a miracle tonight. We're believing for Megan's miracle. Would you lift your hands and pray for Megan Croston? God, we were believing that that liver function will be again to function perfectly. We trust your will in all things. But I command cancer to leave her body. Lord, we ask you, but we take authority over the cancer. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Anybody have a need tonight you need God to meet? Anybody have a need, a family situation? I know it's a little later than, than maybe we'd dismiss as I, I, I plan to. Anybody have a need you need God to meet tonight? Anybody? Come up here and stand. Come on.
Come on, we're going to take the time. This, this is God's house, God's people. Next week's going to be awesome with Q&A in this church with this very wise lady I believe God sent to us. But God's going to help you. God knows the miracle. God knows the miracle. My daddy had a dream one time, changed his life. He had a dream. And in the dream, there was a, there was a shiny silver semi that pulled up in front of his house, stopped in front of the house, and then backed right in the driveway. He said he walked to the back of that beautiful chromed-out semi and opened up the door. He said everything he needed or desired was inside that semi. I thought to myself, who's driving this that would deliver this to my house? He said he walked up to the passenger side door and looked through the window. And through the window over the day, Brown, there was an angel sitting behind the seat of the wheel. And he said, this is your daily load of benefits that heaven has sent to you today. How many know the scripture says he daily loadeth us with benefits? We have access. I want you to look at two or three people say you have access to the Father's will. He's left it to you. He's left it to you. How many believe that? It's, it's here tonight. I have no clue who I'm preaching to. Except there are some people that need your faith built for a moment to realize he has access. I believe somebody could get a miracle on a Wednesday night with a simple sermon here tonight. Really. A couple went on a cruise one time and I can't believe I said I'd preach for four minutes and here I am. People went on a cruise one time. Said all week they just barely could afford the cruise. They had they had ate chips and crackers and cheese the entire day of the cruise they got to the last day and they thought all oh, that fancy restaurants on the cruise I'm going to go down there and we've saved enough money kept enough money aside that we can afford one good meal when they got there there were no prices on the menu all those fancy French words and they finally looked at the waiter and they said because they was looking at each other they said it must be real expensive rich people food they don't even have the prices on there because they don't care how much money it is they came down and looked at him and said, we just want to know, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but how much is that? He said, oh, it's free. It came with the price of the cruise. You mean to tell me this entire cruise, every meal's been free? Yes. They were eating chips and crackers, cheese and crackers when it was already paid for. And I'm convinced people come to the house of God selling for cheese and crackers when His grace has already been paid for. I may believe he's already paid for it. He really has. He's paid for it. What do you need? What do you need tonight? I watched a lady come down. I'm, I'm, I promise I'm trying to quit. You all know this is random. I watched a lady step out one time. I was preaching. I mentioned somebody about today. I said, just during the service, praise I said, if you'll step out, God's going to heal you. Anybody needs a miracle, just come down. I just feel like that's what God said. Step out in faith. Lady came down, had scoliosis 15 years. Her name was Jay. When she got out, by the time she got to the altar, God had straightened her back for the first time 15 years. She had no pain. God had healed her. How many believe God can do that? Come on. That wasn't just something in the Bible. His grace is sufficient. I'm reaching for some people that have unanswered prayers. But I believe if you'll come tonight, God's going to give you that miracle. Don't be prideful. Don't sit back. If you need a miracle, I want you to make your way right now. You've been praying, but the answer has not come. I want you to come. All over the building. Right now is your moment. I really feel this. God honors us tonight for taking time for instruction. But I feel a word of faith for some people. Come down and believe for that miracle. How many believe? Come with your hands raised. The Bible said lift, the, lift your heart with your hands. Lift up holy hands. I want you to come down believing. Tonight, I'm going to get a miracle. Tonight, God is going to answer my prayer. I want you to say right now over the building, God, forgive me of my unbelief for doubting your grace and my inheritance that I receive right now because you died, Jesus. Lord, I'm believing right now. I have access what you have died to give me. Lord, I'm believing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want you to tell the Lord right now what you've been praying for. I want you to say it again. God, 
This is what I'm asking for. I'm asking for healing in my body. I'm asking for healing, Lord, in my womb. I'm asking for healing in my mind. I'm asking you to touch my son, my husband, my wife, my child that's not in the church any longer. God, I'm asking you right now. In the name of Jesus, according to your faith, let it be unto you. In the name of Jesus, receive your miracle tonight. Come on, you're going to feel the touch of God come over you. Right now, God, you're honoring faith. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for comforting over him. Touch Brother Rick today in Jesus' name. Man, let's clap our hands and thank God. I'm just glad you came tonight. Amen. I feel the touch of God. Really do. If you would, if you have questions for uh, Mrs. McDonald, if you would, if you could send those to the office, email them to the office, and, and or text Sister Pam, we can have those ready uh, for next week. And uh, if you can have them by next Tuesday, it would be great. Amen. You can linger and pray. How many feel like God touched you? How many feel like God answered your prayer? Anybody feel that? I believe that. I believe that. I'm believing for your miracle. I am. I am. I'm believing for your miracle. God heard your prayer. Would you lift your hands? Go ahead. My mother-in-law had a prayer just like you. God honored it. I'm believing right now, God, you'll grant her wish. You've heard her prayer and seen her tears. I pray right now that God, faith restored. God, her body healed. God, I pray you would open unto her that which she's asked of you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's thank God again for what we've heard tonight. God bless you. You're just.